Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Today I'm talking to my friend and colleague Dave about his experience at the Olympic Games. So thanks for talking to us. My pleasure. Um, so you, we were talking the other day and you said that you've covered, as a journalist, every Summer Olympic Games since Moscow 1980. Is that right? That's true, yeah. Moscow was my first one and it was quite a, an eye-opening, enlightening experience because back in those days uh, the Soviet Union was under very strict control. Uh, you felt everywhere you went you were being watched. Um, Security was so tight. But as a games themselves, it was rich with stories for a journalist because obviously there was the American boycott of the games. Lots of stories around that. Um, Britain sent a team of athletes, some of whom de defied Mrs. Thatcher's call for a boycott. Um, we had lots of British success stories throughout the games. So, as an introduction to the Olympics, it was quite a, a fascinating experience. Okay, and did you find, I mean, did you think that your movements were restricted and things like that? While it, was you're in quite, it was quite uh, strictly controlled, yeah. You know, there were certain areas that were out of bounds. Um, it was very efficient in the way that they moved people around, but you always felt, you know, you were under their control. But um, you didn't have the freedom that we've had at other games. Um, I mean, China was China was just starting to open out a little bit uh, when we went to Beijing. Um, I mean, clearly there was still an element of control about China in those days, but certainly nowhere near as controlling as Moscow was. No, that's interesting. I, I remember for Beijing 2008, like you said, they made the organization very very good in terms of the transport and everything within the places that they wanted you to go to, uh, to, to almost discourage you from trying to get out of that, that bubble, as we mm -hmm. call it. Mm -hmm. um, and so as a... I mean, it must have just must have been amazing for you as your, your first games as a journalist, but also in that in that setting, mm. uh, it must have been a really interesting yeah. experience. You felt you were as if in, <coughs> you were in the tight grip of that iron fist, almost behind that iron curtain. And then, obviously, the next games were in Los Angeles, and you have the counter boycott of the Soviet Union and, and its allies. I mean, was that just just from what I could imagine to the two? Olympic Games that would be the most different from each other? Two very, very far-flung extremes. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't particularly well organised. But without being too disrespectful to our friends across the Atlantic, they didn't have the organisational skills that you would have expected. I think their idea of a successful game was to throw lots of dollars at it and hope that everything would fall into place. I mean, the transport system was adequate but not great. Not as bad as Atlanta in 96. Uh, you're smiling there, Nick, because I think you've heard stories about Atlanta. <laughs> but maybe we'll come on to that later on. But, 
mean, <coughs> LA as a place was a fa fabulous place to visit, you know, if you're into the culture and the music and all that kind of thing. And the, the freedom was there, you know, for you to go everywhere and anywhere. I always remember I was working for a local newspaper and uh, one of my briefs, in addition to reporting on the Olympic Games, was to try and track down a young lad when he was a teenager who lived in the area where I worked back home in England and he'd be, he was on death row in oh, a wow. prison in LA and I thought I'm never going to be able to get hold of him so I managed to get hold of the number of his lawyer who said when do you want to go and he arranged it and we went actually into the prison and met him in the, the area and I interviewed a guy who was on death row but that, that was the kind of access and freedom that you had. I mean, can you imagine trying to do that in Russia? Right. So had he been convicted for murder? Then? Yeah, he murdered his, um, his uh, nanny. Oh, wow. And I, <coughs> I I'm, I'm, I'm trying to track down what he did and what subsequently ha happened to him. I don't think he the death sentence, but he kind of disappeared off the radar after I interviewed him. And so LA was also the first uh, commercial games, mm. right, with, with these huge numbers of sponsors and everything. So that, yeah. that just must have been very different from the Moscow oh, experience, of course. Explosion of colour and marketing and advertising. It was uh, the grey games and the colourful games. And so then the next Summer Games was Seoul, mm. uh, 1988. So this, I presume, also probably was quite well organised from the Brilliantly Korean so. standpoint. Brilliantly so. Um, you know, they, they had the eye for detail, but Los Angeles got nowhere near. Um, people were so friendly. Uh, like a lot of South Asia, Southeast Asian countries, you know, they were very welcoming, delighted to have the games, delighted to see you there. And, of course, stories plentiful, Ben Johnson. Of course, the biggest story probably in uh, Olympic history from a, probably. from a journalist's point of view. Yeah. I have an interesting story about the Ben Johnson saga because um, I was working for a newspaper called Today in the UK uh, <laughs> and after Johnson had been tested positive everybody wanted his story and the News of the World which was probably the biggest circulation newspaper in the UK at the time tried to buy up the rights of his story and they asked for, he asked for a million Canadian dollars and even the News of the World, for all its wealth, wouldn't pay it. Fast forward six years, I joined the News of the World. My sports editor said, can you uh, get me a nice athletics interview? Quite hard-hitting, tough one. I said, what about trying to get Ben Johnson? Yeah, that'd be great. So I rang his lawyer in Toronto, said, I'd like to interview Ben. He said, it's going to cost you some money. And I said, OK, let me know how much. He said, I'll call you back. He called me back the next day. Um, we won 3,000 Canadian dollars for the story. So it went from a million to $3,000. We paid it. I went to Toronto, interviewed Ben Johnson. You'd remember, Nick, at the time of Seoul, he was this big, hulking, muscle-bound freak almost. We went to his house in Toronto, his mother's house. She made us cucumber and salmon sandwiches. Ben came down, slim, shrunken. We, we took pictures of him and used them in the paper, the big, incredible Hulk and the slimmed-down version. And uh, it's a good story. No, it's, it is. It's an amazing story, and it, it still resonates, and people still remember it and, mm. and everything. I, mm. and I was just a schoolboy at the time, but I remember doing a little school assignment on the, the 
Johnson Lewis rivalry mm. and, and all of that. Um, you know, it, it was it was amazing because he was this great hope for Canada, but he was also an immigrant mm. right, from Jamaica. Mm. And then, you know, everybody was so proud of him up until that point, and then he sort of became the Jamaican immigrant uh, to a certain The headlines day. were uh, Glorious Ben, the one day, next day, it was Go Back to Jamaica. So it's, it's very interesting to, to a much uh, sort of a similar thing, not, not quite obviously to this extent, but in, that you have in the UK with Andy Murray. As a, is, he a, is he a Britain is he a or is he a Scottish uh, Yeah, he's, he's uh, Scottish when he loses, he's British when he wins. Um, and so I guess in, you know, in Atlanta, when Donovan Bailey won, that was a, a sort of a redeeming uh, feature, a feature for, mm-hmm. for, for Canada, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and so anything else about, about the Soul Games that, that you found interesting particularly? Shopping was good. <laughs> a place called Itawan we used to go and visit and buy all sorts of uh, wonderful things from the market there. I mean, the, I mean a lot of it was kind of um, not the official equipment, something that appear in the official shops one day, you know, an item of clothing, officially branded, like 10 hours later you could buy it into one market for about a tenth of the cost, it was, uh, it was good. No, it's definitely something they, they do well, I guess, yeah. over, over yeah. there, for sure. Alright, um, I think we'll leave it there for part one, and maybe if you're nice enough we'll, we'll have a part two. We only got as far as uh, 88. <laughs> Alright, well there's still, a, there's still a lot more to go. Good. Thanks Dave. listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com.